This is a reading by Ginger Bloom called Mother Bloom. I sat loosely packaged between my older brother Bill and the plastic cooler in the back seat of our yellow Buick. Sibling rivalry, accentuated by tickling, hitting, laughing, and competing, filled the air for hundreds of miles. In a rush to begin summer vacation in North Carolina, Dad refused to stop more than once every three hours. As a result, I couldn't help but notice my brother often peed into a well-hidden jar under the back seat. He swore I couldn't do what boys could do, but I was determined girls could do the same thing, and much to his surprise, I became an expert too. Riding from Pennsylvania to North Carolina gave me lots of practice time. After much sibling rivalry, car games like I Spy and Catnaps, we finally arrived in Concord after days on the road. My attention was captivated by the Carolina clay, the color of Indian red. Dad drove down Union Street in Concord and pulled into a long, rutted driveway past a large white house with a wraparound porch. We immediately piled out of our car prison and ran into the kitchen where we were told we'd find her. She was six feet tall, skinny, with a tight gray bun near the back of her neck, and had on a long navy dress with polka dots. I soon realized she always wore long dresses, even when she worked outside in her enormous garden. We were instructed to call her Mother Bloom, and no one seemed to mention the word Grandma in or out of her presence. I didn't realize she really was my grandma for the longest time. Grandpa wasn't mentioned except for the stern photo in the hallway and the fact that he died quite young in his 40s. Dad proudly said his father owned one of the first Model T Fords in Concord. Mother Bloom's backyard was filled with unusual delights like walnut and pecan trees. I believe they dropped treats to the ground when we were well behaved. Dad had to prop them open with his tiny pocket knife and dig into their meats for us to eat. Further back in the garden, peanuts clung to the creeping vines across the red dirt ruts. We were allowed to collect the peanuts into old tin pans for Mother Bloom, who later deposited them in a kettle of boiling water with a cup full of salt. After they cooled, we sat on the back porch eating peanuts and tossing their shells into a flower pot. The porch was where watermelon was carved, ice cream was churned, and nuts were cracked. Naturally, I realized the best foods were eaten on the porch and not at the table. The porch was also my favorite place to play with my dolls. The green swing hanging from the ceiling became an imaginary elevator where I took my three dolls up to the 10th floor of the hotel that we were staying at. They would often fall off the bench and I'd scold them for jumping when they could get seriously hurt. The kitchen was an enormous room with a pot-bellied stove. Tall kitchen cupboards were fronted with glass doors, revealing cheerful jelly jars painted with purple violets, colored fruits, and delicate wild flowers. When I drank from these glasses, everything tasted good, even mandatory milk. Just off the kitchen was a special narrow room they called the pantry. The shelves were weighted down with wonderful green, blue, and green mason jars, filled with jams, tomatoes, pickles, beets, green beans, and watermelon rinds that Mother Bloom had made. Most nights after dinner, my brother and I would make a mad dash to the pantry to collect green mason jars. Then we'd run to the tumble-down garage to find old pieces of window screen. Next, rubber bands were stolen from various doorknobs in the house, and they were secured onto tops of the jars. 
These homemade traps were for keeping Tinkerbell and other lightning bugs after they were caught. I prayed to God if I ever caught Tinkerbell, I'd let her go free in the morning. At bedtime, I placed the jar with magical lights next to my makeshift bed. Having ridden to North Carolina, I I empathized with any long stint in any type of prison. At bedtime, I usually slept in a large bottom drawer of a giant dresser, and I tried to ignore the strange smell that Mom said was from mothballs. As I grew older and bigger, I was allowed to sleep with Mother Bloom in her high-poster double bed. I loved her dearly, and I tried not to move and wake her up. Summer after summer, Mother Bloom's house became tall in my mind as my very favorite place. While the porch paint peeled and the steps grew weary, her love and warm welcome never faded. As I grew older, I noticed there were fewer and fewer items on her pantry shelves. Even the peanuts in the garden disappeared, and brittle vines wove crazy patterns in the dry red dirt. Mother Bloom's glasses grew thicker, her hair looked thinner, and she walked much more slowly. When she died at age 92, two years after my father died at age 52, I was alerted by an angel while writing my doctoral dissertation finals at the University of Florida. She had come to tell me goodbye on a momentous day in my life. Somehow I just knew.